Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. Today we are celebrating baptisms together and witnessing how God still changes lives. The message is titled, Be Baptized, and is taken from Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Thanks for joining us. Well, many of you are used to me starting this way. Would you please open your Bibles? And I'm not going to do that today because I'm against Bibles, but I just want you to know we're going to focus on one main verse, and it's Acts 22:16. I want to talk to you today about being baptized. And um, one of the reasons that I want to talk to you about it is because uh, we, from time to time, uh, spend time looking at this subject. So here are the two verses that I've listed in the, in the message notes so that we can all read off the same translation. And I've actually combined a couple translations in the first gray box in Acts 8, just so you can see uh, some of the language there. But then we're going to primarily focus on the second gray box, Acts twenty two sixteen. You ready? Let's read those two verses together. First, Acts 8, 36. Let's read it. Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my, what is stopping me from being baptized? Okay? This guy was, he had just heard about Jesus, and when he came near water, he said, I'm ready. What's standing in the way? What what, what can stop me from being now that I'm ready? Okay? Uh, The second one is in Acts 22, 16. Would you read that out loud with me in the second grade box? And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. What I want you to notice if you're following along in the message notes there is that Jesus' first followers were devoted to practicing baptism. Jesus' first followers were devoted to practicing baptism. Very last Sunday of uh, 2018, Pastor Brian Schwarberg taught us about some of the practices that the early church was devoted to. They gave themselves continually to. And this is another one of those. And they were devoted to that. And yet, what I want us to notice is that, at least in the United States, there's been a drift away from that. If you're following along, it's so easy to put off being baptized and see it as optional today. It's so easy to put off being baptized and see it as optional. Again, when you talk sometimes to people, they'll go, you know, I might do that someday. Um, You know, I just don't feel like now's the right time. Or, you know, um, well, it's good for them. I, I don't know if it's good for me. And you have all those kind of things go through your mind. Okay? But what I want us to see is that the early Christians, they, they didn't look at it like that. They understood this was one of the marching orders of Jesus that we need to devote ourselves to. So if you're following along, we can let fear, loved ones, or pride stand in the way. We can let fear, loved ones, or pride stand in the way. You can imagine over 35 years of being a pastor, I've heard all kinds of different responses. And some of them honestly are legitimate. If you're here today and you've never had anyone explain to you uh, what baptism means so that you would be able to do it with understanding, then I'm praying that God will use this message today to be helpful to you in that. But if that's what's standing in the way, that makes complete sense to me. We want people to do things out of understanding. Some of you are here today and you either were brought with a friend or a family member or you came on your own and you don't even know if you believe in Jesus yet. You're just investigating. That's kind of stopping you right now. That's okay. You're here. We're so glad you're here. 
Those are some legitimate reasons. But the Bible says is that fear, loved ones, pride should never ever stand in the way of us being baptized. That doesn't mean we don't have to like think that through and navigate that. But ultimately, we've got to be able to be willing because we're devoted to what the practices of Jesus to overcome those things. I'll just give you one quick example. When I was a pastor in Iowa, there was a man who he and I played golf from time to time, and he started coming to our church, and as we invited him to be baptized as a believer by immersion, uh, he, he told me his story. He said, Jeff, I just want you to know there's something slowing me down from being baptized, and here's what it is. I nearly drowned when I was 10 years old. I can't even get near a bathtub without breaking in a cold sweat. I thought, man, but the day that guy came forward, got up, and was baptized, I will never forget it as long as I live. He understood that even though that was standing in the way, Jesus was still calling him to obey. And and, and God helped him. And I think from that day forward, by the way, his fear of water changed because God broke through in some way. Now, I want to talk to you today about understanding baptism as they did. And before I do that, I want to just tell you a little background. So some of you got an email on Friday morning that we sent out that I wrote to the church family. Maybe you didn't see that. But what we said was, is that normally we plan baptisms ahead. We do it about three or four times a year. And several people have already been planning to be baptized today in the three different services. But I asked our, our team if we could step outside of that normal practice for this Sunday because as I was reading Acts twenty two sixteen, I just sensed that this might be a day where we say to anybody who comes to our services, what are you waiting for? What's standing in the way? What's stopping you from being baptized? Get up. Be baptized. Call on his name. And so uh, that's why we're doing that. And so... Again, we're just taking a flyer here. We, we sense we are supposed to be faithful to this. We don't know all that's going to happen. We're trusting God. But again, at the end of this service today, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you if God's been tugging on your heart and showing you that this is the day. I'm going to ask you to get up and be baptized. And I'll explain. We have everything ready in case you have all kinds of crazy thoughts going through your mind. That's normal. But I'm going to explain that more. But let me say one more thing, because some of you are here and you said, drag, I've already been baptized. So is this whole message going to be for other people? What I want you to know is that baptism was not just something that the early Christians checked off as a one and done thing. They understood baptism in such a full and rich way that both believers and unbelievers, the greater their understanding grew, the more they appreciated it and saw that it wasn't just an event. It was part of the beginning of a whole new way of life. So I want to talk to you about that today. Would you pray with me before we look at this together? Now, Lord, you know, I've been asking you and I know others have been too. Would you do a pure work of your Holy Spirit among us? where each person knows exactly what you're saying to them. Would you come to every seat? I don't have that skill, but you do. You know how to speak fluent to each person. I pray pray you would, and we'll trust you with the results. In your name we ask, amen. 
Okay, so here's what I want to do. As we think about understanding baptism as they did, I want you to look with me at the sequence of baptism, the form of baptism, and the command of baptism. First, the sequence of baptism. As you study uh, the book of Acts, for instance, that records a lot of what happened among the early Christians, you'll see a pattern. And you'll see that that pattern had a sequence to it. First this, then this. So notice, if you're following along, they believed and were baptized. They believed and were baptized. That's the sequence. Oftentimes today, some people are baptized and then later believe. In the New Testament, people were baptized as believers. That's not something an infant can do. And I want to say this really quickly. Because we have so many people from so many different church backgrounds, if you've been baptized as an infant... I hope that you will never, ever hear me saying that's a bad thing or that wasn't important. I thank God that any parent wants to bring their child before God and experiences grace even as an infant. But what I want you to know is the New Testament says again and again that the people that were baptized believed themselves. Therefore, what do you do if you're baptized as an infant? I would say this is an opportunity for you to reaffirm the faith your parents always hoped you would have. And this is an opportunity to, again, honor what they helped and wanted for you. But so, just know that. And know this, if you're following along, new believers were taught to be baptized. New believers were taught to be baptized. If you look at Acts 22, 16, this is the Apostle Paul talking about his conversion story. And he talks about how a man named Ananias came to him and said, I have come that you might not only see again, he had met Jesus on the Damascus road, but also that you might receive the Holy Spirit because you've come to believe in Jesus. And then he said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. In other words, the the teachers, the apostles taught people, this is connected. It doesn't save you but it is something related. Don't put it way out there and say it's an option. Come on. And so when that was going on, now notice the next thing if you're following along is that baptism is a physical expression of an inward faith. Baptism is a physical expression of an inward faith. If you ask me, again, I've taught on baptism a number of times over the years. I've studied this subject. I've tried to grow in my understanding, even as a believer. But if you ask me this time, as I prepared to preach on baptism, what really hit me, like like a, a moving truck, it was this idea that Jesus initiated a number of practices that involve our body. People say, well, why can't I just believe in my head? Why can't I just believe in my body, I mean, my heart? Because Jesus wants to get it into our bodies. And he knows that from the very beginning, he wants all of us. And there's something about not staying private. Look, he said, if you will acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you before my father. But if you're unwilling to acknowledge me before people, then something's missing in your belief. You're trying to privatize something. You're ashamed of me. I wasn't ashamed of you on the cross. I acknowledged you on the cross. Now I'm asking you to acknowledge me. And that kind of bold call helped people realize somewhere along the line with my body, I've got to step out and go public. I can't just act like it's something in here because again and again, what showed salvation was understood this way. First, a belief in the heart. 
and then a public confession of faith. Those two things the early Christians understood went together. And that is what, again, that we are declaring today. We're asking you, would you go public? Would you physically? Now, some of you are saying, well, wait a second. I may have some issues with that. And you may. And we've always tried to be sensitive. I'll never forget, we baptized a lady with cerebral palsy. And we had to do that very carefully. But I will never forget the day she did that. Our church realized, oh my goodness, she's not letting anything stand in the way of her being baptized. Wow. So first notice the sequence, okay? Second, I want you to notice the form of baptism that they understood. And the form was this, to go down into, be placed under, and come up out of the water. Down, under, up. In other words, they did not practice sprinkling. They did not splash water or touch a forehead with a little bit of water. They completely went down into, under, and then came up out of the water. It's a fascinating thing. I'll show you in just a minute, just one example of several. But notice this, if you're following along, that if you didn't already know this, the New Testament is written in Greek. It was the Koine Greek language, the marketplace Greek that people spoke in the Roman Empire. That way it was able to spread. People could read it and understand it. So the word in the Greek for baptize is the word baptizo. Do you mind? I mean, none of us are Greek experts. Do you mind just trying to practice with me? Baptizo. So what's baptizo mean? Uh, Baptizo, if you're following along, means to entirely immerse, dip, or submerge something or someone. It means to entirely immerse, dip, or submerge someone. Uh, Again, I could give you several examples. By the way, you'll notice out to the right, I list a lot of scripture verses. If you are thinking about this and you know you're in this process and you're taking it seriously, I would just recommend this week, if you're not ready to be baptized today, study this. And even if you are already baptized, this may be something that refreshes you. But Mark 1.10, which we won't look at, says that when Jesus came up out of the water after he'd been baptized, okay, that implies that he had to go down into the water. But here's another passage. I had you read Acts 8.36, where that Ethiopian official asked Philip, can we stop and be baptized? Here's water. Notice what happened in verses 38 and 39 of chapter 8. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip And the official went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Did you notice? They went down into, under, and then back up. Now, uh, a few years ago when I was teaching on this, I actually had a bowl of red dye up here on the stage and I took a white fabric and I said, this is part of what they understood with baptism that you were being initiated so completely into a different way of life that it was like a total difference of before and after. And I took the fabric and I baptized it in the red dye, kept it under, and when I brought it back up, it was a different color. It had been gotten into every nook and cranny of that fabric so much that it changed its identity. Baptism is being initiated into a whole different way of life. They understood that this is what I was like before I was baptized. Now I am being initiated into a new way of life. 
and they understood that. So if you're following along, notice that baptism is uniting with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism is uniting with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Let me demonstrate this just a little bit. Jimmy, do you mind? I already talked to Jimmy beforehand, so I'm not freaking him out right now, just so you know. But Jimmy Ness, um, he and Missy, I've really appreciated them being part of our church. And um, I asked Jimmy if we could just demonstrate, because some of you maybe have never seen how, what I'm talking about, what it would look like. So uh, the people that will be baptized today, we'll ask them to come and step down into the water with us. And we'll introduce them to you so that you can feel like you know who they are a little bit. And then at that point, we'll ask them three questions. We ask every person so that they can confess publicly their faith in Christ. So the first question, by the way, I always ask people, if you're going to say no, let me know ahead of time to any of these questions, okay? But Jimmy, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of... I happen to know he does, so that's why I'm asking him. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. And uh, Jimmy, have you received Jesus as your own Savior from sin and death? Yes, I did. And Jimmy, are you willing to let Jesus be the Lord of your life each day from now on? Yes, I do. Then Jimmy, and then what I, we do is have people come this way, and you notice he has his hands up here. What do you think of when you see someone holding their hands like this? You think of prayer, right? This is an act of humble dependence on the Lord, but it also gives us something handy to hold on to as well, by the way. <laughs> But at that point, I'll say, upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At that point, he leans back. I have my hand on his back. We take him under the water. When we bring him back up out of the water, then again, it's like being, it's like entering into a whole new life that Jesus Christ has accomplished. Would you thank Jimmy for helping me? Thanks so much, man. So what I want you to notice here is that when we talk about this, this is why a lot of the first early Christians recognized that for them, baptism was like a water grave. They realized that they were signing up to die to their old self, their old way. They were going down into the water, but also they were not depending on that action alone. They were uniting with what Jesus Christ had done for them. The Bible tells us that none of us are righteous in ourselves, not righteous enough to be right with God. We've all sinned and gone, uh, missed the mark. We've gone astray. We've fallen short of the glory of God. So the Bible says is that Jesus came to earth and he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died and he was buried and he was raised again on the third day so that now he could bring people back to God, all who would look to him and put their trust and dependence in what he had D-O-N-E for us would be saved. And so baptism is a way of saying, my trust is not in my own righteousness. My trust is in Jesus, what he's done for me and how he's given himself for me to know a new life. The third thing I want you to notice is not only the sequence and the form of baptism, but notice the command of baptism. The command Jesus gives to every believer, if you're following along. The command that Jesus gives to every believer, and I've listed it out to the right in Matthew 28. 
Here's one example. It's also found in Mark 16. But here's one, Matthew 28, 19, or 28, 18 through 20. Sorry about that. Amanda. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's what Jesus commanded before he ascended into heaven. Now, just about six or seven weeks later, a huge crowd gathered in Jerusalem, and Peter, who had failed Jesus terribly in the night when it mattered most, had been restored by Jesus. And now he stands up to preach a message that shook the hearts of people. And when he said, know this, God has made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah. When he said that, notice what happened in Acts 2, 37 and 38. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. All their defenses, all of their excuses were completely cut away. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now notice Peter didn't say, nothing, you you, you believe that's enough. He said, repent, change your mind, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was the promise that he gave. He said, be baptized. He didn't say it's optional. He said, "This this this is your next step. Now that you're ready to believe in him, confess his name publicly, be baptized, go public. Give yourself physically to Jesus Christ. Give your whole life to Jesus entirely. And they did. 3,000 people that very day. And so when you think about this, if you're uh, looking at that, I don't know if I, I don't think I've told the story for a while, but when I was in seminary, I kind of spread it out in an interesting way over eight or nine years because I was on church staff. And so part of that time, for two and a half years, I drove up once a week up to Lincoln Christian Seminary when I was a youth pastor here. And during those days, I had never really been involved in the independent Christian churches. And so I didn't know many people yet, like I do now. But so I went to the seminary. And I remember when I got to the cafeteria that day, since I didn't know anybody, I felt like I was back in junior high trying to find a friend, you know. And so I started sitting with a group of guys. And uh, one of the guys uh, said to me, uh, he was kind of hardcore. He looks at me and he goes, "Uh, what do you guys teach about baptism at your church? And I said, well, we strongly encourage it. And I'll never forget, this guy probably didn't uh, get an A in tactfulness, but he absolutely got an A in accuracy. He said, well, that's the difference. You encourage, we command. I remember thinking, I think I've gotten sloppy with Jesus' marching orders. I think I've started making it sound optional. And I need to remind people, this isn't our idea. This is Jesus' command What will you do with it? In a way, it's kind of like the first test or one of the early tests of following Jesus. If I'm going to balk at that step, I'm probably going to balk at a whole bunch of other steps of obeying him. And this is a chance to obey him. But here's what really moves me if you're following along. Jesus doesn't command without going first himself. Jesus doesn't command without going first himself. One of the reasons I love the Lord is because he doesn't just say, now do this. He says, I'll go first. So he came to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're the son of God. You're the only person that will ever live a perfect life here on earth. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, let's do this, because this will fulfill all righteousness. I'm not going to ask my followers to do what I'm not willing to do myself. 
and he gave himself entirely to be baptized. And therefore, thousands and millions of people have followed Jesus since then because I'll follow someone like that. And they've done that because he wins our hearts by his very way. But notice one other thing is that baptism is an invitation to obey Jesus as Lord. Baptism is an invitation to obey Jesus as Lord. Jesus, out to the right, I list John 14, 15, where he says, look, if you love me, you'll obey me. I'm not guilt tripping you. I've already shown you my love. If you love me back, then when it comes to obeying me, you'll find a way to do that because you'll do it out of love. And so I'm calling you to love me in a lot of different ways, including physically, including being baptized. Will you obey me? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? He says in Luke 6. So there it is. There's the sequence, the form, the command of baptism. And I don't know where this message finds you today, but I've listed three possibilities on the notes. There may be other ones, but I wonder if you see yourself in one of these responses. First, I mentioned this in the beginning. I know there's some of you that aren't yet believers in Jesus. So if you're not, what do you do? Well, first of all, I just want to say again, if you're here investigating and you're trying to figure out what Jesus wants you to do, we're just so glad you're here. And if we can have conversations with you, if we can answer questions, we understand it's a process. But if he's been showing you that you need to move from being an unbeliever to a believer then here's what he wants you to know, is believe his good news. Believe his good news. Believe that he came not just for the person next to you or for one of your family members, he came for you. When he started his entire ministry, look at Mark 1.15. Look at what he says at the beginning of his ministry. This is how he starts it. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, that means change your mind and believe the good news now. The good news that I came to earth to live the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died so that you can know God and walk in the newness of life with my spirit living inside of you. That's incredibly good news. Do you believe it? That could happen today. You could start believing and trusting in Christ. This could be the greatest day of your life. The Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes their mind than over 99 who didn't need to. Heaven rejoices. The next thing is, is are you not yet baptized as a believer? I mentioned this earlier. Maybe you were baptized, but you didn't have any say in it. Or maybe you were baptized and you, you, you weren't yet a believer. Then we would urge you, we would urge you to consider being baptized as a believer. And out to the right there, what do I say? It's get up and be baptized. That would be what I believe the Spirit of God is saying as I was working on this message. That's why I asked that we could open up baptism. By the way, out to the right, I list Acts 9.18. So Acts 9 is the actual account of Paul's, Saul's conversion. He later changed his name from Saul to Paul. That's why we call him Paul now. But that actual conversion, you know what happened? When he saw Jesus on the Damascus road and was blinded for three days, he didn't eat or he didn't drink for three days, Ananias comes to his house says the words I mentioned earlier. And you know what it says? It says that as soon as he could see something like scales fall from his eyes, he got up and was baptized right now. And then it says, and after he'd eaten some food, he regained his strength. I thought, that's his priority. I'll eat later. I'm getting baptized now. That's fascinating to me. 
So again, I, God's boldly called people in the past. Maybe he's calling you today and saying, no more fence sitting. No more putting it off if I've been showing you. You know, some of you go fishing and you know what it's like to feel the tug on the line. That's similar to what happens when the Holy Spirit's tugging you. You'll know it. It won't be some pastor like me talking to you. It'll be him tugging in your heart. You'll know. You'll know if he's calling you to do it. The third thing is, are you already baptized as a believer? And again, this is many of us. So what do, what do we do with baptism? Well, here it is. Live my baptism daily. Live my baptism daily. What's that mean? Do you realize there's lots of ways not to live our baptism? And so after we come to know Christ, I talked to a guy yesterday and he was saying, what if on day one I'm baptized and on day two I'm a jerk? I said, I can relate. Does that mean that it didn't take? No, it meant that you were initiated into a new way of life. Now that you're a follower of Christ, how do you handle your jerkiness differently? You own it. You say, that was my old self. I'm unlearning those ways. Now I'm learning the new ways of Jesus. I, I got a text this week from someone who said, I am being absolutely riddled. The evil one seems to be reminding me of some of the darkest parts of my past. And I thought, this is an opportunity for you to live your baptism. This is an opportunity to remind you what Jesus Christ has D-O-N-E for you. And he is for you. And he has forgiven that. And he wants to help you walk in the newness of life. Our son, our second son, when he was a young boy, was baptized. And one day we were driving the car a few months later. He was telling me some of the things he was learning, reading in the Bible, how he was serving different people, what he was learning from that. And I just said, Luke, like, like what's happened to you? And he says, Dad, I'm a baptized believer now. And he said, that's what baptized believers do. And he was excited. And you and I can live our baptism. We can learn how to use our bodies to love him and serve him and honor him with our hearts, minds, and bodies. That's what he wants. And so I love Galatians 2.20. I, I have been crucified with Christ. My old self was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, my old self who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life the new I lives. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself for me. It's a whole new way to live, friends. And our baptism symbolizes that. And so, it's decision time. What are you going to do? What, what is God saying to you? Again, in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. But before I do that, you may have some honest questions. You may say, tell me a little bit more about how ready you are if I decide to be baptized because I didn't come ready. I didn't dress for it. Well, if you didn't come dressed for it, some of you may say, in fact, I'm wearing some stuff that if it got wet, it might even be see-through. That'd be awkward. So here's what we want you to know. We have dark shirts and dark shorts that we are brand new. We'll be more than glad to give them to you. Also, <clears throat> you may say, well, where would I change? We have a number of private places that we can direct you to. We'll watch your stuff. You don't need to worry about that. We'll help you have a private place to change. You may say, well, you know, after I get baptized, my undergarments won't be dry anymore. Like, what about that? Well, I asked uh, the team, if they would, to put this in plastic bags. 
But we have men's underwear and women's underwear and sports bras and all kinds of things like that back there that we'd be more than glad to give to you so that you would be able to be baptized today. And um, some of you, now here's the biggie for some of you, you may say, what about my hair? <laughs> now, honestly, after I sent that email on Friday, within an hour, I got a, an email back from a lady in our church who said, you know, you remember that you said something during one of the sermons on baptism that caused me to be baptized. And I didn't want to look like a drowned rat in front of 500 people. I really was nervous about that. And you said, I bet Jesus wished he could have looked a little bit better on the cross too. But he gave that up in order to die in our place. And all of a sudden she said, I realized that what I was worried about was small potatoes and compared to what Jesus had done for me. And it helped get that out of the way. And she took that step. Some of you say, I've got, what about my kids? We'd be more than honored to watch your kids while you're baptized and get changed. And we'll help watch them. You may say, well, what about my family? My family's not here, and I'd love for them to see what I did today or share in it. And we understand that. Just know that, again, we've got a professional photographer that takes pictures of the baptism. So if you choose to get baptized... We'll make sure you have a picture you can show your family or you can show anybody what you did today on January 27, 2019. But if you need to wait, we'll be having another baptism May 19th. Please don't feel manipulated in any way. Just know that we want to make sure we're faithful to be devoted to the practice of baptism. Would you mind standing? So here's what I want to do. I want to dismiss those of you that may have already signed up, and I want to dismiss any of you that during this service sense, it's my day. God's talking to me. He's tugging on me, and I'll take that step. And so we just urge you to go through the three back doors there. There'll be a team of people waiting. They'll be more than glad to help you. If God's talking to you, I plead with you to obey him for his sake and yours. But also, please know we're going to sing now. And as we sing, we're going to just trust him. We're going to praise him. I, I, should, I should at least report to you that in the 8 o'clock service, our smallest service, quiet service in a way, as we sang, four people stepped up and walked to the back. They hadn't planned, they hadn't signed up, and they stepped down the water, four adults. And I'm telling you, it's the moments that we live for as a church where we realize that Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. So let's sing to him. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.